1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Okay, Danielle, do you know why I was usually you're the late one, but I was just late right now. I'm sorry. Why are you late? I thought I was late. You don't want to take a guess what I was doing? D-
0: did you just have to poop?
1: <laughs> no, No, but I have had a lot of coffee this morning. So, I think we've created a monster. What? I was TikToking.
0: <laughs> you are killing the TikTok game. Like truly, like I feel like I'm fucking up our algorithm because, you know, you'll post this like hilarious TikTok on our Reels and like it'll come up on my page obviously right away, and I'm like, "Oh my god, that was fucking hilarious." And I comment on it, and then I really think there is something that shadow bans you from bouncing back and forth between accounts that you manage on Instagram.
1: So, yeah, I don't think you're wrong, but, um, but you're hilarious. I was so, thank you. I was so hesitant to get on the TikTok train, but my like Leo energy can, is just like too much. Like I am addicted. I'm like all about TikTok now. And it's a problem.
0: No, but you're creating such funny ones. I mean, I think they're funny, but I mean, you're also my person, so.
1: That's true. I showed my sister one of my TikToks the other day. I thought it was the one where I like um pretended to uh, enforce the mask enforce the masking policy. Uh-huh. I was like, I was rewatching this TikTok like a hundred times, laughing at myself. Yeah. And I was like, Nicole, did you see my TikTok? And she was like, Yeah, why? And I was like, Didn't you think it was hilarious? And she goes, Jackie, I think you, you think you're a lot funnier than you actually are. Oh, <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> shot, shot to the ego there. Thanks, Nicole. She keeps me humble, you know,
0: but no, honestly, my everyone like, Leo- needs a Nicole in their life. My
1: like Leoness is like too much for TikTok. Like I'm, it's a problem.
0: No, I think it's hilarious. I loved it. I was
1: like, Fuck yeah, you did it. <laughs> Follow me making a massive ass out of myself on TikTok and Danielle looking cute and contributing. I mean,
0: I want to be so funny on there. And I just you you're so quick. You think of these like really funny things. I'm like, God, wish my brain worked like that.
1: I'm like two scatterbrains. Like it's I'm a scatterbrain. But you are in a bit of a
0: brain COVID fog. Yeah. Well, should we just
1: should we just jump in?
0: Yeah. Welcome to the WOMED. This is the one where Danielle gets COVID. (laughs) I can laugh now because I've already cried.
1: I know. It's true. It's true. Danielle got the vid.
0: I got the vid. After two years of successfully avoiding this plague and not living my life, Because I felt like everyone else was going buck wild and not giving a shit. I hunkered down because, you know, felt like, you know, I had to go into overdrive because everyone around me wasn't caring. And I got the vid. I went to Denver. Um, My cousin tragically passed away and went to Denver to support my family and on the flight back who knows at this point you know omicron's very very contagious but the gentleman sitting next to me on the plane who kept leaning over into my space hacking up a storm not wearing his mask correctly it was hanging just above his upper lip and telling me how none of his other friends could come on this trip with him because they got the vid of course i had my mask on you know but like when someone's in your space like that and you know who knows, you know you're, you're touching your coat. Like you get off the plane, you get out. Of there. I mean, who knows? But that sparked like a whole other anger in me because I'm like, why are you? Why are you traveling when you're so very, very sick? <laughs> a, that's very selfish, especially during a time that is Omicron is everywhere. It is so virulent. And do you know what I saw today, Jack? Mm. It was on NPR. A second version of Omicron Mm -hmm. is spreading. Here's why scientists are on alert. Just as the Omicron surge starts to recede in parts of the U.S., scientists have their eye on another coronavirus variant spreading rapidly in parts of Asia and Europe. It's officially called Omicron BA.2. What the fuck does BA.2 stand for? I ain't got a clue. And this week, scientists detected cases of it in several U.S. states, including California, Texas, and Washington. Although BA2 is currently rare in the US, scientists expect it to spread in the country over the next month. There's growing evidence that it's just as contagious as, or possibly a bit more contagious than, the first Omicron variant called Omicron BA.1. Yeah. Are we ever going to get out of this yet?
1: I know. Well, we, you know, I'm not an epidemiologist and, um, I, you know, can speak on like my experience in public health and the conversations that I've had with my colleagues, my respected epidemiologist colleagues. Um, I think that we'll save that for an episode with the unbiased science pod. Chicks. Mm, um, yes, because we are not I don't think I'm ever going to say like I'm qualified to guess what is going to happen with this pandemic. I don't mm-hmm. know. But from the way that this is going, it seems like this is unfortunately Something that we're just going to be living with for a while, and something that we're just going to have to continue adapting to. And we can hope for the best that, in a sense, it just becomes endemic and that we live with it and it becomes, you know, something manageable. But I think that you getting COVID is a. This is going to be such a good episode for people to listen into because this brings up a lot that I want to talk about in terms of you testing positive for COVID, and um, you know, at this point. I know more people that have tested positive than that have not gotten COVID. Like, I feel like if you haven't gotten COVID yet, like you're kind of the outlier, Mm -hmm. you know, now, whereas a year ago that was definitely not the case. So I just kind of want to walk through this, like, because this is an important conversation because so many people have been testing positive. And I think before we used used to like wear it as a badge of honor, like I haven't gotten COVID. I didn't get Mm -hmm. COVID. And then when you test positive, there's shame and guilt. So like, let's dive mm-hmm. into that. Like, how did you feel? You know, cause I remember you texted me, that you called me the night before and you're like, Jackie, my Jack, my, my throat itches. And I was like, dude, chill. Like, you're fine. It's probably in your head. <laughs> I was like, you're fine. Like you're just freaking yourself out. Sure enough. Yeah.
0: But to be fair, we had a huge trip planned. Mm-hmm. You know, I was supposed to be with you in New York. And we had incredible guests lined up. We had Nurse Kay. We had my friend Alex, who's a CRNA. We had Maggie from The Bachelor. And um, we had Christian Franz um, from Friends with Franz. And we were so pumped. We were so pumped for this trip. Oh, that throat thing. That's what tipped me off. And because I had a really bad cold before Christmas. And... I was like, for sure, I thought I had had it back then, but all the negative tests, never had it. My primary was like, no, you actually caught a cold. I was like, okay, whatever. Felt better. It's fine. Um, This like throat thing was unlike anything I'd ever felt. Um, I've never had like an anaphylactic reaction or anything like that. But this was the closest thing that it felt like in my throat. Like it just felt so itchy. Like there was something back there that was just kind of getting bigger. And I was like, this just feels weird. Like I could breathe fine. Um, But then, like, the cough started, the fatigue started. My body just started like aching. It almost just felt like I was trying to move and like my body was like cement. Like that fatigue was just unreal. Every single joint in my body. Hurt. Anywhere I had lymph nodes, my neck ached. I didn't have like a sore throat anymore. Just like my neck ached. My armpits ached. My hips and groin ached. And it sucked. It really fucking sucked. And I tested positive. Well, I tested myself that morning after I had called you. I went and got a PCR and I was like, ugh, like I was supposed to go into work. I'm like, I can't go into work. Like I really like this is this is it for me. Like I know (laughs) I know it. I started getting really emotional. I called my boss and and I was like I like started crying with her on the phone. I was like, I've been so careful, but like I swear, like I'm trying to find a rapid test. I couldn't find rapid tests anywhere. And there's there's that guilt because like you don't like letting people down. And shame because I who had, you know, protected myself. And isolated myself and done all the right things, vaccinated, boosted, caught this fucking virus. <laughs> I was livid. I felt like shit. I was livid. I was mad at other people because so many people have fought and thought it was their God given right to choose what goes into their body, which, fine, sure, whatever. This, this pandemic has never been about you. This pandemic has been about everyone that you could possibly infect that wouldn't have the ability to fight this virus off. This pandemic has been about protecting each other. And y'all just haven't done that. Y'all have chosen your own right to not get vaccinated because you were, you were scared or you were listening to one of the countless number of people who claim to have epidemiologic knowledge on how this virus spreads or, you know, you think sheep dewarmer up your ass is going to cure you from this and instead of listening to professionals. And I think that's what angered me the most. It's because this could, have, this could have brought people together. It could have ended at least a year ago. And it just hasn't. Like, and it keeps progressing to this standpoint. And at least for me, I struggle so much because it just feels like people don't care. Like, if you get infected, you don't know. How, think about everyone that you come in contact with in your, in your day-to-day life. Maybe your grandparents, maybe the single mom who works, you know, at the at, you know Target or works with you at whatever job you work at, the gas station clerk, you know, the grocery store, you know, uh, anyone that's in your vicinity at your normal place of work. You're coming in contact with all those people and infecting all those people. You don't know what those people have to go home to. You don't know who those people are caring for. You don't know what taking a week off of work, at least, will do to those people financially, emotionally. It's just not about you. And I'm just so tired of people not thinking about the broader aspect of what this virus does to people. Because I don't want to get a shot. I don't believe it's real. It's mild. It's just a cold. It might just be a cold for you. Or you might end up in the ER or you might end up in the hospital taking a hospital bed from someone who just had a stroke or is in a traumatic accident. It's just not about you. And I think that's been the most frustrating part of this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that has been the, I think, unfortunately, the bottom line since the very beginning is people yeah. putting their own needs in their own Belief systems in front of the greater good and the the greater importance of what this virus um, has done to more vulnerable people and families and entire communities. That's what's so frustrating. And I think you testing positive and after you've been so careful and doing all the right things, it kind of like brought all of this back. Like all of this Mm -hmm. kind came like crashing down onto you. All of these reminders of not just that like testing positive, but all of the reminders of how fucked up this entire virus has the the entire way that the virus has been handled um Mm -hmm. in this country since the beginning I I think that that's why it was so emotional for you right it's like because it was it was more than just like testing positive it was like this reminder of like all of the frustrations and the the people and the the misinformation and anti-vaxxers anti-masters it's like it all came like flooding back to you in that moment I think (laughs) It's funny that you like that we talk about this too about, like, you know, I think about that asshole on the plane and think about how many people maybe he infected also, like, not just you. You're, a, you know, you were able to recover. You, you know, unfortunately had to miss the trip and it sucked. And you're I still here. You I had to that. miss like, a
0: ton of work.
1: Yeah. It sucks. But like, think about, you know, who else he potentially infected or, you know, who in a fucking airport of all places. Right. But, you know, it's interesting because I think that on the other end of it, this, like, Fear of unintentionally spreading COVID has been like a huge fear for for me, and I know for a lot of healthcare workers. I know for me, like through the pandemic, I was lucky to have um, access to testing really early on. We had mm-hmm. a saliva testing center on the university, and for my job, we had to get COVID tested every week. Like I had to have a proof of a negative COVID test for over a year in like I don't even know between the whenever testing came out more easily accessible so like maybe halfway through 2020 until like probably I don't know six months ago now we've had to restart testing again but there was a time where I was having to test show show a negative test every week for almost an entire year and I remember having this like this fear every time I would have to go get tested. And every time I would get the email or the text message, your results are available in your chart. I go and open my chart and I would start shaking. I would start shaking, thinking about, oh my God, if this test is positive, who did I see last week? Who did I see yesterday? Who did I see the last two days? Who am I going to have to tell that Mm -hmm. I just tested positive and I saw you yesterday? Yeah. So, did you have that when after you tested positive? Were you like, oh fuck, who did I see the like two days before I had symptoms?
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. like all of the patients and stuff that I take care of. I mean, I've always been like very strict. Any patient I see, like I have my mask on. I'm constantly sandy, um, the sandy cloths and stuff. I wipe down everything, you know, between each patient. Like I'm as careful as I can possibly be to protect. My patients and myself. But I've also become really isolated during the last two years. Like I really I don't go out and do much, but it really makes you start thinking about every little interaction that you have throughout the day and wondering about everyone that you come in contact with. And I don't know if we'd be able to find this, but I, I remember there's this episode of scrubs that was uh, circulating just this one segment about this one glove, this one dirty glove that gets dropped by someone. Someone else picks it up and then they follow like where that person goes and like everything that he touches. And then where that person, like the next person that comes into contact and the next, next person that comes into contact. And I just don't think people realize just how connected we are to each other, mm-hmm. and how quickly we can spread something like this.
1: Yeah, especially with Omicron. Mm-hmm. And I think I hope that this is a reminder, not just to you. And I know I've I've had to tell you this a few times because I, I can even hear it in your voice now, like it, it. It's so unfortunate that people that have gotten sick with this virus not only have to have this shame of, I got it. Who did I reinfect? Mm-hmm. But because it's 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 bullshit. Like Omicron takes no, I mean, COVID in general, you know, you can do all of the right things and you can still get COVID. And it's so unfortunate the way that this pandemic has played out that for some reason now that you have to feel in some way that this was your fault because it is so untrue. It Mm -hmm. is so untrue. You can do all of the right things. You can care you can get vaccinated you can wear a mask you can isolate yourself but unfortunately this is just where we're at in the pandemic mm-hmm. what are you going to do yeah what are you going to do Qu- quarantine yourself again for for 9 months for a year like it's just not realistic anymore at this point in the pandemic we are we are at this point trying to learn to live with this virus in the best way that we can and in the safest way that we can
0: because we've been forced into it because yeah. so yeah. many people have not taken it seriously I'm going to go like a little bit more vulnerable here. I'm in therapy. I have had to work through a lot of relationship traumas um, over the last couple of years. And all I want right now in my life is to find that safe love. Like I want, I want to have kids. I want to find that person that... I can come home to that supports me unconditionally. I want to have a family. And these last two years for me have been so isolating that it feels like I've lost these two years of potentially finding that person, of having children. And I have a much closer timeline on the child front. My mom went through menopause uh, at a very early age. So I've got like, you know, that fear kind of lingering in the, in the back of my head. And like, how many more years do I really have to be able to conceive and, and carry a child? And that's something that I personally just want to be able to experience more than anything. Like testing positive and facing even more time that I had to potentially put my life on hold. And those dreams on hold. mm, It just it gutted me.
1: Yeah, you're angry, and I don't think I don't think it's just that it was like those two weeks of having to stay inside or getting COVID. Right? It's like it was that reminder Mm -hmm. of what you had sacrificed for two years.
0: Yeah, I don't think I'm alone in that. I think there's a lot of people that feel similarly. It's just this whole thing has just been so frustrating, and I feel for anybody in this situation that has done the right thing and cared. And I just feel for you. Mm -hmm. I'm right there with you.
1: I think we all have experienced different levels of loss Mm -hmm. through this pandemic. I think, you know, your realization of having a timeline as a woman and knowing that you only have a certain amount of biological years to have a family is such a real concern and i hate when people try to diminish that and say oh you know oh you're so
0: young you've got plenty of time
1: that is a real concern and and yeah. the loss of two years is, is something very real for you and it is something that no matter where you were on the face of this planet this pandemic took something from you maybe mm-hmm. it took a family member maybe it took a loved one maybe it took your spouse maybe it um, took multiple
0: family members
1: community members i mean besides the apparent loss of lives it has taken a lot and I think being able to reflect on that and realize and think about what you have lost I think is part of the healing process and I think Mm -hmm. that it's something that we all have experienced you know there's been a lot of loss these these past two years too for me life has changed in ways for me that I never would have anticipated Mm -hmm. your COVID cough, I hope they could hear that. Oh,
0: God. <laughs> Lingering effects. Lingering COVID cough.
1: But no, really, this this pandemic, it, it, and I think, you know, just because, you know, light lives were lost in this pandemic, and that will always be the most important thing and the biggest thing that we will look at. That is the greatest loss that people have experienced, but it doesn't diminish other types of losses that people have experienced. Lost relationships with partners, with friends, um, you know, maybe on vaccine statuses and having to lose friendships over, Mm -hmm. over vaccine arguments or political arguments. You know, I think that there's a time and a place like there's good and bad things that have come out of this pandemic, but we've all experienced a significant aspect of loss in in different Mm ways. Agreed. Would you say that like, you know, and I, I know we've had discussions about this before and I think you're in part of a process where it's like, you get, it's like anger in a way where you mm. like want to be mad at someone. You want to be angry at someone. You want to like, I think in a way, like put the blame on something or someone. And like, yeah. obviously you're in therapy, which is amazing. So am I, if you're not in therapy, like, I don't know how you're getting through this. <laughs> I Every really healthcare worker <laughs> should have therapy, but how do you like work through that? Like, how do you, how have you found peace in this? Or how can you reframe? Or how have you tried to reframe?
0: That's the million dollar question. I know that there is a ton of life left to live. I know that there are other options. I mean, like in my personal case, a lot of my anger is around feeling like I've lost out on the chance of meeting that person, on years that could have been spent working towards being a mother. And for me personally, it's realizing that I, A, can do that on my own. Uh, and that's kind of what I'm, I'm, you know, prepping for, like, my own future. And, you know, doing the sperm bank route having a kid on my own. Um, Because that's honestly more important than settling down with the wrong person just to have a kid. I don't think that's the right move. So just kind of making, like, a contingency plan almost for myself has helped deal with that sort of loss of time that I feel like I've experienced. But also, you know, I I joke I joke, I'm completely serious about I'm gonna make full use of these like raging antibodies in my body right now. Like I wanna go buck wild. Like and I understand how a lot of people, you know, feel that. And it's given me insight into Or maybe like a relatedness to how people who got COVID initially, you know, when this thing just started were like, well, I mean, I already got it. Like I can go and I can do whatever I want. And there's a certain amount of, you know, maybe jealousy that we kind of felt in the beginning um, and anger. But again, you know, people can get reinfected with COVID too, obviously. But it helps me have like more empathy for people who are coming out of COVID and testing positive and, you know, just trying to find some normalcy and live their life again. And, you know, things that get posted on social media and you might be like, oh, my God, they're being so irresponsible. They're traveling. They're doing this right now. And I was like, yeah, I get it. Like, I've spent the last two years not doing anything. Like, I've earned it. I've got these antibodies for the next 90 days. And I want to... I, I wanna live my life again. But we also have to learn how to, you know, live within the confines of hopefully I mean, I think endemic status is the only thing that we can hope for at this point. And, you know, if it's a yearly, twice a year booster or shot or whatever, you know, that ends up being, like, shoot me up. (laughs) Like
1: Yeah. We don't know where this is gonna take us, but it appears that we're headed in the direction of the going to have to learn to live our lives with it
0: mm-hmm. and be as careful as we can
1: mm-hmm. well I will say that you were you know heavily missed in New York I know Ooh. that it was really just like a, the timing could not have been worse we had planned the trip to go see Katie Duke's live show which hopefully it went Exponentially well for her, and I hopefully you she'll have more more dates.
0: <laughs> Jack opened for Katie Duke, okay, and she was like up there, like she was giving a TED talk or something. I mean, like she no. had the. I mean, she did amazing. I I had Levesque um film her for me and and send it, so like I could feel like I was there. It's great. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, we
1: you were heavily missed. The timing sucked. We missed you in New York. <laughs> we're kind of. I was joking with Danielle Leveque because. I've said my micro dosing spiel mm-hmm. on the pod before and Danielle Levesque said that I might be onto something and she's super brilliant. So she I'm going to take that. Take it. You know, it is interesting because there's, it, this pandemic is just insane. Like mm-hmm. we've got, a, I think there's a lot of people like you, Danielle, that have been doing all the right things. We're so careful for two years. And then Omicron just came and fucked everything up. Mm -hmm. there's people that I know some people that have gotten COVID three times. So then you got those people and Mm -hmm. then you've got assholes like me. I swear to God, knock on wood, because every time I say this, I'm like, I'm going to fucking wake up with COVID tomorrow. (laughs) I'm going to wake up with COVID tomorrow. But I talked to Danielle Levesque about this. Then there's other people like, like me, my twin sister, Danielle Levesque. I don't know how I haven't gotten it at this point. Mm -hmm. Again, knock on wood. But then there's certain people that are just, you know, we're exposed at work. I'm exposed. I've been exposed. I cannot tell you how many times I've had friends call me the next day and go, yo, I just tested positive for COVID. I just saw you last night. I'm so sorry. And Mm -hmm. me just like sitting in my apartment waiting for the second pink line to show up on my test and just not getting it. So I don't know, you know, this pandemic, this virus is fucking crazy. We're going to see it continue to change, but I just hope that I, I do think it gave you a different perspective, like testing positive. I think it brought up a lot of really hard emotions for you and I'm grateful that you, you got me. You got a great therapist. I know it brought up a lot for you, but I hope that it can, you know, now that it's settling, that you can kind of find some other perspective.
0: But no, I think you are onto something. And my brother is kind of of the same mindset. I think, I don't think he realizes the microdosing aspect of it. But he, at the start of the pandemic, was working hospital security and was in every unit helping with everything. And he has. Never gotten COVID. But of course, in his mind, he's like, Well, Danny, my blood is just the cure. You know, I'm like, Well, then start donating it, motherfucker. I love him though. He's honestly the best little brother you could ever have. But you know, I do think you are onto something with the microdosing.
1: For those of you, if you didn't hear my theory, I will briefly say that I think I have this theory and I cannot wait to have the unbiased science pod chicks on because I, I'm going to have to have them like, just they're probably going to shoot me down. I know they're going to shoot me down, but my theory is that some healthcare <laughs> workers or some workers that have been slowly exposing themselves to COVID over the past 2 years have just built up super immunity through the vaccines. Of course, obviously number 1, and this is totally anecdotal. I hope you're not taking me that seriously, but honestly, <laughs> I like I'm convinced that that after just slowly exposing yourself over short periods of time in the last 2 years that you just uh, some people have this like super immunity to COVID. I'm going right. to wake up with no, COVID tomorrow. I'm going to wake up with COVID tomorrow. You're not. Don't I'm say that. Don't put that, that in the universe. COVID.
0: Don't put that in the universe. I wrote down two, two different things that I want to touch on. I want to touch on how saying, like, Omicron is mild is dangerous. And I want to point out how, I mean, there's lots of different accounts out there that are like, you know, this boisterous, proud anti-vaxxer just died of COVID. And I saw one of those um, come up on my feed today. I was like, this ain't it, guys. We don't need to be. I mean, and looking at some of the comments on it, it was like, yay, Darwin. And I'm like, what the fuck have we come to? Like. Especially Ooh, as like boy. healthcare providers, like we don't. Yeah, that shit's dark. That's really fucking dark. We want to preserve life. That is the basis of. Any healthcare oath that you take is preservation of life and to do no harm. We shouldn't be celebrating someone's death unless like, you know, they've lived a long good life and, you know, you're having like a actual celebration of their life. You know, that ain't it. You
1: know, yeah, that's all, not okay. I won't accept that is, at all. It's not this okay. is
0: not it. That's sad. Is what it is.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: And as far as, you know, news and like people reporting that you know omicron is mild and it's like people think it's like a mild cold like oh i just got the sniffles you know that's 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 dangerous this this shit is mild compared to death this shit is mild compared to er visits where you like you can't breathe and you need help i hate that people keep calling this thing mild like being knocked out for a week having long covid symptoms afterwards like, this is this is a life-changing virus. It can be a very life-changing virus for many people. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah. yeah. Just because it's mild doesn't mean it's over in 10 days.
1: Oh, boy. I know. It's scary. Sometimes I can't believe that we're even still here, like, having this conversation. To be honest. I just had a moment where I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah. We're still talking about this shit? It's been two years. I'm fucking tired. I think that's the other thing. It's like, honestly, I saw that that NPR about um, Omicron's sister coming out, and I'm just like, Mm -hmm. I don't even fucking care anymore. I'm like, just what? What's next? Just tell me. I'm done. Like, just tell me what's next. I don't care. Like, is it going to be better? Is it going to be worse? Like, I'm exhausted. Like, I can't keep up with the news anymore of what's changing with this virus. It's fucking exhausting. Truly, it's fucking exhausting.
0: I'm tired. I know, and not just from the COVID fatigue. (laughs) I'm tired i of carrying the last two years on my shoulders yeah uh, and I wasn't even like working at the in the thick of it you know I mean I had switched to aesthetics and stuff by then you know I mean obviously I still worked in the OR like last year but it was for private practice you know I was using my platform more just to try and educate. You know like I'm hearing all these things from my friends that are working in the hospitals that aren't able to share their voices and share what's going on. And just I just want people to care. I just want them to listen. I want them to do the right thing,
1: which is more than what a lot of people did and you know, it's funny when we were in New York and Katie asked me to introduce the her show Like we had just talked about, I kind of like started my introduction about how I started Riot Healers and started talking about, you know, some of the things that I've seen the past two years and my motivation behind starting Riot Healers and like some of my motivation behind some of the designs that I create, blah, blah, blah. And I started sharing a little bit about what I do for work. And I had so many people come up to me after and they were like, damn, Jackie, I had no idea that you were doing that during the pandemic, which was, you know, something that I'm still doing now, which is going out into the community and doing um, outreach. So responding to outbreaks in congregate settings, in very uh, marginalized communities in Chicago, so very vulnerable congregate settings. So doing mass testing, vaccinating, um, outreach and education in long-term care facilities, homeless shelters, jails, uh, encampments, like, you know, under the bridges, and I was like kind of sharing my experiences during this. And a lot of people are like, dang, I had no idea you're doing this. And I think it made me think about like why I don't talk about it and probably why so many healthcare workers that have experienced COVID and have gone into these really, you know, whether you're in the ICU or you're in the community or you're in the hospital or you're fighting, you know, you're, you're trying to fight misinformation. It's like you get to a point where how, how am I supposed to talk about this? How are you supposed to go on social media and talk about, some of the most horrible, horrifying, terrible things that you've seen, which I think is a protective measure for ourselves and also out of respect for our patients. And it's kind of like navigating this world of how do I share the things that I'm seeing so others not seeing this, others not in healthcare can understand how seriously this is impacting our community versus Holding space for myself to process, to heal, and to have respect for for people and respect the dignity of the the situations that that we're seeing. Right. And I I don't know. It just this pandemic has just been has affected us in so many different ways. And it's like on one hand, people want us to share about our experiences. And on the other hand, it's like
0: sure, let me relive all my trauma for
1: you. Exactly. Like how? I can't. I, I I'm barely trying to make it through the day, let alone, you know, what am I supposed to do go on my stories and be like, Hey guys, just came out of the jail and this happened like, fuck, no, I'm not going to go talk on social media about what's going on. The things that I'm seeing. And I don't know.
0: I think that's an unfair expectation to put even more on healthcare workers plates. We're constantly being asked more of, we're constantly being asked to work sick to um, work overtime because everyone else is sick and the unit short staff and now you want us to now share about our experiences and how hard it is but for what are you gonna are you gonna help anything change are you gonna help us get like more money for the work that we're doing are you gonna help? get us some mental health care that we need, or you just want us to regurgitate uh, the traumas that we've seen on a daily basis?
1: I think that that was the biggest fear, that we are finally starting to see the real effects of now is this mental health burden that is now weighing on the healthcare care profession. I called
0: it from the beginning. I called it from the beginning.
1: Yeah, it's finally catching up. That's the next pandemic. Is is for, for sure the next the, the next issue is going to be supporting the PTSD, the anxiety, the depression, the healing of what our healthcare workers have been through, and and the mass know,
0: exodus of nurses and healthcare workers from the bedside.
1: Oh boy, I fear for our it's,
0: hospitals. It's already happening.
1: I know. And I then know. you've
0: got fucking Theta Care up in Wisconsin. Like my home, my home state is making the news for the wrong reasons. A, we've got Aaron Rodgers being like, yeah, I'm immunized. What the fuck was that, bro? Fuck you. And then we've got Care trying to block nurses from seeking higher-paying jobs. Fuck everyone trying to break down nurses even more right now. I'm so tired.
1: Well, <laughs> if you can relate, just know you ain't alone. You aren't alone. I hope this isn't just like a bitch session because I think that we need to continue to hopefully stick together. Look at organizations like Impact in Healthcare, find yes. community in the WOmed and in different nursing organizations inside and outside your hospital to try and find support because unfortunately, this shit ain't going anywhere. Our mental health is is literally being dragged in the luggage behind us. It's like we're moving with we're moving with it. So maybe that will be a a follow-up episode here is, um, you know, how can we support ourselves? How can we realistically support ourselves? What does that look like? I mean, honestly, I do think part of it is looking and taking a hard look at your job and taking a hard look at the expectations that you have in your workplace. And if that's a place that maybe you should be staying, you know, because bubble baths ain't going to fucking cut it anymore.
0: Mm -mm.
1: Weekly yoga class. Mm -mm. mm -mm. No. That shit ain't gonna do it. So maybe that'll have to be the follow up episode to this.
0: (laughs) How are how are nurses taking care of themselves right now? Are they are they able to? You know, are are any hospitals offering any mental health support? Like, yeah.
1: And at this point, it's like we're going into year three, and the fact that there's there there isn't like a national body where there's a hotline for nurses twenty four seven is just. It's just a crime. It is. What would
0: you like to see, Jack, for as like resources as? What do you think is something that we can do on the WOmed? Do you think there's something that we can do just to like?
1: So this is such a loaded question, and I've actually this is kind of it's interesting because I'm wrapping up my DMP project right now, and so I've actually done like a lot of research on the evidence of what actually supports healthcare workers in burnout, and. On a certain level, certain practices like mindfulness and yoga and breaks, like that, those are all so important in, in protecting your mental health. But what really supports nurses is safe staffing, is breaks, is PTO. Those are the things that <laughs> prevent burnout and can protect mental health. So I Accurate think you pay. So I think something that I could see us doing with the WOMED is partnering maybe with impact and healthcare Mm. or partnering with another organization that is fighting for these things.
0: Yeah.
1: Because, you know, mindfulness can only take you so far. Yeah. What do you think?
0: I'm down from moving down to Nashville. Nurses have always been paid like shit. I mean, at least in Wisconsin, we were paid a lot better, but Tennessee is like one of the lowest paid states for nurses. And just kept feeling like such a slap in the face. And, you know, especially, you know, working at Vandy and having people be like, Well, you know, everyone just works here so they can get it on their resume. So like they don't they don't need to pay us that much more because people are paying for the, the name and are working here for the name. And I'm like, Yeah, you know, that really shouldn't be the case. Um, because, you know, my unit was pretty constantly having at least like 50 to 60 nurses leave each year. My unit. like
1: (laughs) Insane. uh,
0: I just, I want part of my legacy to be that I fought for change (laughs) in nursing. That I fought and got nurses more equal pay, more safer staffing ratios. Like, that's what I want. My legacy to be. I want, I want nurses to be cared for, and respected at the jobs that they hold.
1: Well, let's do it. All right,
0: we're gonna find it. We're gonna, we're gonna figure it out, guys.
1: <laughs>
0: <music> well, I hope that wasn't too much of <laughs> an angry downer episode and bitch fest, but it had to be said. That was a lot. I. Almost cried.
1: (laughs) We've all been through the last years and you know what? We are hopefully out of our way um, of coming out of the third wave of this. Who knows when the next will be? Who knows where this pandemic is going to take us? But I hope that we can all realize that our voices are stronger together than individually. And that is why... I am just so in love with impact for healthcare. I know I've mentioned, we mentioned them a few times in the episode. And so if you listen to this and it hit hard with you and you want to do something that will actually cause some change here and can help save staffing ratios for nurses, but not just for nurses. Impact in Healthcare is an interdisciplinary nonprofit that is fighting for people over profits. So meaning healthcare workers and patients um, and has, Lots of different resources on their website. You can find them on Instagram at impact in healthcare. Head to their link in bio and they have a lot of different options for you to get involved, whether you either want to be a donor or you want to work on one of their working teams. They have different interests, whether you are into public health, pre-hospital work, ethics, LGBTQ care, long-term care, mental health, policy advocacy, racial justice, research and education, medical racism, weight bias, disability justice, education. They have literally different teams for all of those different interests. So head to their website, no matter what your profession is um, in healthcare or not in healthcare. And they are a great starting point to get involved. And we hope that you find some sense of community here at the WOMED. If you liked this episode, please share, rate, review. Your support means the world.
0: Truly. You're why we do this. You know, we wouldn't be here without our podcast team that supports us and supports what we're doing. And Jack and I are yours. We love you.
1: On that note, WOMED out.